Joining us for further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market team is Fahima Adia from Momentum Securities. Fahima, thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Alessandro. Thanks for having me. All right, Fahima, it seems like there's red screens all around in Europe and uh, in, on the JSC this afternoon. What is driving market sentiments today? Yeah, so I think what's been driving the markets this week, Nolitandra, uh, has obviously been that uh, conflict in the Middle East, which seems to unfortunately be escalating. Uh, on the JS in, in particular, we did see some data uh, released that showed that retail sales index fall for nine consecutive months, which uh, seems to show that uh, the consumer in South Africa is under continued pressure. However, credit card data appears uh, stronger than what was expected, which seems to show a lot of consumers are now turning towards uh, credit to sort of make their ends meet. Then in the U.S. yesterday, we had uh, a number of earnings uh, reports released, uh, which seemed to paint a more negative picture there. So we had chip makers like TSMC report the biggest drop uh, in profit in almost five years. Tesla's earnings also disappointed with Elon Musk expressing concerns about uh, the high interest rate environment and state of the global economy. And then we also saw Nokia uh, is expected to uh, cut a number of jobs and uh, Nestle also reporting weaker sales. So I think a lot of negative data coming out all in all, which has been uh, impacting the markets today. Of course, we are uh, expecting some sort of Fed speak today with uh, Jerome Powell uh, to deliver mm -hmm. a key policy address. Are we expecting any uh, any clues from there, Fahima? In my mind, the picture here is quite clear. The direction has been painted. We are in a position of higher for longer. Will market participants be looking for anything else from this address? Yeah, I think you're right, uh, Nolatando. It's, it's probably going to be in line with this narrative that they have been going with for quite some time now, this... Uh, higher for longer, just uh, to bring down these quite high levels of inflation that have been quite persistent. And um, contrary to South Africa, what we're seeing in the U.S. is that the, the retail figures there still continue to increase month on month, which shows that the U.S. consumer is actually still strong and continuing to spend. So I think that policy stance is probably going to be necessary to bring down inflation. And also now, you know, given the headwinds we're facing with the, the Middle East conflict and that increase in the oil price, uh, that could also have an impact on inflation. So I think this uh, higher for longer narrative is probably going to be necessary. You also touched on Tesla, and I'm just keen to get your thoughts here. We know that Elon Musk was trying to manage margins. He was trying to, uh, you know, mm. uh, lower margins. He was willing to take um, a little bit off the, uh, less off the top in order for, to have people, uh, you know, buy their cars. But, of course, right now, it looks like even those who would be able to afford a Tesla are strained. I'm very uh, keen to get your thoughts on that, uh, you know, Fahima, considering that the U.S., uh, for instance, consumer is a little bit strong, maybe not strong for big uh, ticket items like a vehicle. Yes, yes, I think you're correct there. While they are stronger than expected, I think when it comes to big ticket items like the like the Tesla, which is quite pricey, um, they're taking strain when it comes to those type of purchases. So Elon Musk did say that, uh, you know, their main goal is to try and bring down the cost of that Tesla to make it more affordable for consumers. So while investors did comment on, you know, adver uh, Tesla's advertising strategies, he did say, you know, there's no point advertising a product when you actually don't have consumers that have the money to afford to buy it. So the main focus, it seems, of Tesla in the next um, year or two is probably going to try to be to bring down the, the high costs of that vehicle and just general cost cutting. Um, but I mean, given the difficult environment in the U.S. with the high interest rates, high levels of inflation, they are facing quite a bit of headwinds there.
You also touched on Nokia. Keen to get your thoughts here. Ericsson uh, recently also announced some job cuts. I'm wondering what's happening uh, in that sector, if it also is uh, feeding from consumer or also even from B2B, uh, you know, Fahima, where we're seeing businesses also uh, battling and therefore, you know, demand uh, for companies like Nokia and Ericsson and what they provide would also be low. Yeah, so I think the trend we're seeing there, um, Nolatando, is that uh, there's just been reduced demand from consumers uh, for uh, consumer electronics, you know, smartphones and the like. Uh, the issue is that we just basically have a constrained environment um, that is just seeing less demand because the consumer is just unable to to purchase, you know, the higher high ticket items like you mentioned, um, such as, you know, your cars, your, your more expensive phones. And I think that's definitely factoring into their results. And they do need to find ways now to, to cost cut, uh, hence that announcement that they're going to be laying off, I think, about 14,000 people now. And let's touch on Netflix. So they've reported a surge in their third, uh, third quarter subscriber numbers. They're also increasing prices in the U.S. and the U.K. as well as France. Keen to get your thoughts on that. And also, Fahima, if we're going to be looking at uh, the number of subscribers um, as the best mm. metric for uh, Netflix uh, for the foreseeable future, it starts to feel like uh, not the best way to measure if uh, the company is doing really well. Yes, Nolatano. So I think on the bright side, that was one positive update that came out yesterday. So uh, they did say they've seen an increase in the subscribers there. They've seen uh, some better results. And I think what's driving that is they've really clamped down on that uh, password and user sharing of accounts. Uh, which means now more people need to actually sign up for Netflix. They cannot be sharing accounts with family members and friends any longer. So that's helped, you know, boost uh, the number of subscribers. They've also got, uh, you know, plans in place to boost their content and to bring more uh, appropriate content online that they think will be enjoyable for their viewers. And um, the other thing that Netflix uh, said they're looking to do is to just uh, cut cut back on costs as much as possible and to just continue growing that business. So I think that uh, all in all, it seemed like a good update. And then let's bring it home now and looking at JSC listed companies. Mondi, uh, they've come out with a bit of a depressing one. Let's talk about this one. Also, I think uh, speaking to a difficult consumer environment. Yeah, it was quite a tough set of results uh, from Mondi. So I think on the positive side, it's good to see that they've managed to dispose of that uh, those operations in Russia so they can put that one behind them. But they did say that there has been challenging market conditions and um, this is expected to go forward due to that weak macro environment. Uh, so market demand there has remained softer with lower average selling prices. Um, but they managed to mitigate that somewhat uh, with uh, lower input costs there. Uh, the CEO did say that they're expecting demand to be subdued going forward. Uh, so while the container board pricing has been stable, uh, they're experiencing continued price declines in craft paper. And that's expected to continue through to the end of the year. So, yeah, I think quite a, a lot of headwinds are coming from that company. I'm also keen to get your thoughts on pick and pay. Yesterday we saw pick and pay release a set of numbers. It was a very difficult set. But what we also saw uh, is uh, Sean Summers, the incoming CEO, really uh, tried to explain away some of the issues and even uh, assure markets that there is a way forward. I'm wondering if we are seeing some confidence in yesterday's uh, you know, conversations around pick and pay. And if market participants can start to uh, you know, uh, believe that at some point uh, pick and pay will turn around. Because uh, I have heard some analysts say, that there's been a bit of a downplaying of just how difficult things are there. 
Yeah, yeah, not a great set of results from uh, Pick and Pay in Olatando. So reporting their first loss, their first interim loss there. And uh, it seems though, quite a number of the issues there were due to once-off costs, you know, because of things like load shedding. They also had some uh, structural changes in the business. Uh, they've had a turnaround plan, uh, which also incurred some costs there. Um, but I think all in all, uh, now with, uh, you know, Summers back in the leadership role, he's obviously got a lot of experience working at Pick and Pay. He really took that business from strength to strength. He has a, he has a very good understanding of the business. And we're hopeful that, you know, he's able to steer it back onto, uh, onto its course. I, I actually saw this morning that he announced that uh, that turnaround plan that was uh, planned by the prior CEO is now kind of going to be discarded uh, because it just it's too complex and it's not going to work. On the positive side, you know, we have seen very strong demand coming from some of their brands like Boxer. So if you look at the Boxer results, that's been very strong. Uh, but the pick and pay grocery core business has been what's, uh, what's really struggled. And um, I think, you know, it's just struggling because of uh, competition from the likes of ShopRite and it probably just not the right uh, strategy and positioning of this business there. So we are definitely hopeful that um, Summers will be able to bring the business back onto track in the next few years. Well, Fahim, I'm keen to get your stock pick, but before I do, let's reflect on some counters that your industry peers have enjoyed. I like BTI. We're buying some BTI at the moment. Uh, quite a nice and healthy dividend yield in hard currency, uh, looking optically cheap versus peers and relative to its history, and also not so much caught up in the kind of or a bit of a shield from the SA headwind story that we're seeing really playing out at the moment. Taking, taking Richmond, very low price earnings, very low, very low rating by the market at the moment, and in comparison to the other luxury goods, it looks like very good value at these, at these prices. It's still a superb business. Things have slowed down in that area. And remember, there's still a lot of uh, political pressure on them not to supply uh, modern equipment. But, uh, you know, generally the, the chip producers have cut back. I think we're at the bottom of the cycle. That's a quote from ASML. They expect it to pick up. So next year, good earnings this year. Earnings this year, sorry, uh, revenue this year up about 30%. Uh, going to be the same level next year, but thereafter, 2025, I think things are just going to explode. And they're preparing themselves for the onslaught of uh, of AI. So, I, you know, at, at these levels, mm. next year going to be kind of flattish and that, but thereafter, I think, uh, you know, things will take off. That will apply to NVIDIA and all the other associated yeah. companies. All right, Fahima, we have a British American Tobacco and ASML. I'm keen to get your thoughts on those counters. Yeah, so on British American uh, Tobacco, the price on this one came off quite sharply recently after the U.S. health regulators banned the sale of some of their, their menthol products related to vaping and e-cigarettes, which they said was quite popular among children um, and teens. So, I mean, while this does have value at current levels, uh, it is one that I want to have a closer look at in terms of the impact that this ban is going to have on their sales going forward. Um, so I would say this one is probably a hold for now until we're able to establish that. 
And then moving on to uh, ASML. So, you know, ASML is in that uh, chip making space similar to TSM. And like we've seen with the results from TSM yesterday, that chip makers are struggling because of that slower demand in consumer electronics uh, due to a consumer that is under increased pressure. So we expect that will also, you know, uh, carry over to companies like ASML. Um, so a couple of things are obviously impacting that, you know, the, the, the slower than expected uh, recovery in China, also the global slowdown. But we do think that once we see a turn in the global economy and in China, there should be recovery in this one and uh, quite a bit of upside. Alpha Yamakin, to get which counter you're going with today? So I'm going with T-Mobile today, uh, Nolitando. We think uh, T-Mobile is quite well positioned in the communications market in the U.S., it serves about 30% of the U.S. retail market at present. And following that acquisition of Sprint in 2020, we believe the scale of the company matches now uh, most of its rivals. And uh, we see quite good value in the stock with earnings uh, growth of at least 25% per annum expected over the next few years. The company also has a strong balance sheet, good cash flow generation. And we're looking for upside of at least 25% on this one. Alfaima, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. That was your Midday Markets Update with Fahima Dia from Momentum Securities.